Podcast Appetite for Distortion, episode 210. My name is Brando, and as we continue to feel, feel, feel our quarantine, I'm broadcasting, let's just call it live, live to tape from uh, from Woodside Queens. <laughs> and we're doing these uh, more of these Zoom videos. It's not just here at the AFD show, it just seems to be the way of the world, how we connect. It just seems we're all missing like physical connection. Yeah. So I guess Zoom is the next closest thing. So for those of us, uh, for those of you who are watching on Zoom before you listen to the uh, the podcast, let's just first say, it's, instead of me doing my spiel, my brother gave me a device the, just to get right into it, Doug Goldstein. Hey. How are you? I'm good, brother. It's nice to see you again, Brando. We, we speak on the phone. No, I mean, I want to say, I'm not, not really going to act like, yeah. it happens. It's not like a once in a blue, it's more than once in a blue moon. It's, it's it. It's like definitely a few times where I can be like, how, okay. How long does it take you to answer the phone when you call? Uh, you answer pretty much right away or, or text here. You actually you're, commented on first ring. It's, it makes me feel good, you know. You make me feel good. <laughs> it's just, it's interesting. <laughs> well, as we, we get off on this, uh, this yeah. bromance yeah. Uh, right here. Bromance, it's bromance. <laughs> you've been on the show for a few time uh and you've been great each time it, it's not even just the gnr stories from you specifically but i love i still bring up the fact that you brought the the official guns and roses chiropractor on the show yeah yeah that's Thaxton, dr Thaxton. that's right from user illusion uh that tour and now that that's to me that's what it's all about and i think you get it it's like yeah there's guns and roses stuff but to find out cool stuff about these yeah. interesting people that you may not know so it's all about the main that you may not know. And actually, Doug, uh, this is a nice little segue into, you know, uh, obviously we're going to talk GNR, but we're going to do it in a different, uh, in a different way today or a more uh, narrow down way as we focus on the spaghetti incident. And we'll dive into why and all the fun stuff. But uh, as just like Dr. Th- Stephen Daxton, you try to highlight these people. Yes, he was actually involved with the band, but it's great to interview people that aren't maybe Doug Goldstein who have these great stories with the band members, but they still have a story. So recently, when was the last time, Doug, you were in uh, New York City? Oh. Wow, it's been, a, it's been a long time, man. Uh, yeah. I'd say probably three, four years. Okay, well, when this all, this thing is said and done where we can go out, you know, because uh, I, I, we've obviously Zoomed before, at least we've FaceTimed before, we've spoken before, we have yet to meet. But when we do meet when you do come to New York. We have to go to, and I finally just went because I interviewed the owner of this uh, restaurant establishment a few episodes ago. And I'm pulling up my shirt as it looks like I'm just grabbing my boobs. Uh, it's a, it looks like a, it's a King Kong, and this is the spaghetti incident or spaghetti oh, incident. Cool. All right. Nice. Yeah. Very well so done. it's, uh, I finally went to his nut. Uh, Giovanni, he, uh, he owns, 
a spaghetti incident in, in New York City and it was recommended to me by another AFD show listener because I didn't know about I'm like, how do I, how is there a Guns N' Roses named restaurant in New York yeah. City that I don't, <laughs> so I had this spaghetti and meatballs. It was amazing. Uh, he, he gave me this, it was very nice. I was going to ask him like, how much are shirts? And he just came out with the shirt for me. Very cool. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to have to get Doug Goldstein to eat that's at right, the spaghetti incident. Yes, sir. <laughs> so that's my, because uh, that would just be surreal, and I thought about you because. Anybody, you know, ever, talk to, anybody ever talk to you about the old homestead in the meatpacking district? The parties that used to go on there? I, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, they've, they've oh, told absolutely me that. To, I mean, it was huge back then. I, I, I went back there, I don't know, maybe seven years ago, and it's like a quarter of the size. It used to be a massive restaurant. I don't know why they you know, they took the capacity down, but uh, actually used to throw um, kind of thank you parties to all the crew. Uh, okay. Everybody got steak, lobster, whatever they want, drinks, everything free and actually personally paid for it. It wasn't like a band expense. And we probably had, nice. uh, to it, we probably had three or four of those. Okay. The bill was so big that our tour accountant had to stay behind and settle the bill. <laughs> <laughs> So, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. I played golf today and uh, with a couple guys and they're about my age, I guess. And, you know, they asked me what I do and what I've done. And so I brought up the GNR thing. And they said, uh, oh, no way. And so this guy texted his buddy who's a big GNR fan. And he said, is Axel still a, a, a big asshole? <laughs> and I said, you know what? That's the funny thing. The guy has this horrible reputation and he was the nicest person to work for. He was awesome to work for, you know? I mean, he treated us, anybody that worked for him, you can ask and they say he was uh, incredible to us. I've done a lot of interviews. It's, it's more than just you being the former manager for, for such a long time. And especially that the, the user illusion tour that just think about it. Anyone just going on a road trip with your, your friends or being in quarantine right now, people, are breaking up, getting divorced, to be on the road with all this, the uh, the hoopla going around GNR to to be around that, yeah, and interview. But I've never heard anything bad about Axel other than what people say in the press or stupid fans, like people who don't know him. That's right. So yeah. it's it, behind keyboards. <laughs> but it's just fascinating how it's taken on the narrative that Axel's a bad guy, and and. Maybe you need someone to blame, and it's so easy to like Slash. I mean, I, I don't know if you have a. The last time I talked to him, it was because I had done a podcast with you. And he said, stop saying nice things about me. Said, <laughs> what are you talking about? He doesn't like when people say nice things about him in the press. Um, he doesn't, his, his he doesn't like is, that? Why? His argument is, did anybody ask Picasso what his art meant? I'm an artist. I'm not interested in public opinion. I don't really care. And, and I don't want anybody trying to change public opinion because I really don't give a shit what anybody thinks. Okay. That's, Fair enough. Well, all right. That's, that's Most interesting. Of Most of us do care what others think. He just doesn't. I mean, he seems to, at, at times, again, he seems to be a completely different person now, but at times lashing out at the media. So it seems like it bothered him at times. No? Only when it's unjust. I mean, get in the ring, it's, he was pretty pissed right. off. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> but again, he's lashing out at people that don't know him that are in a very high public opinion. And okay. so somebody in a very high public opinion making defamatory comments, that is a little different than fans. Okay. 
Well, that's why I try to, for me to have a, as much a, a down the road opinion because I don't, unless I've met somebody, right. you know, and that's why it's, it's funny when, you know, I, I forget if I've said this on the air, but uh, it was the episode that we did with Dr. Thaxton and he told that really funny story about Axel's sister and yeah. she was being, you know, awesome, being like an awesome nurse trying to help. Uh, it was a security guard yeah. during the riot and he had a gash in his head, right? Yeah, and she there was no um, proper uh, like I guess a medical kit around. Okay, yeah. so I'm telling the story like I was there. Yeah, but it was doctor. It was doctor. You weren't there, right? It was just doctor Thaxton. Right? Well, I was a little busy trying trying to keep the cops from pelting fans with big big wooden. Sticks. Okay, but short story. I mean, you want to go back and listen to the episode to hear doctor Thaxton say it. But basically, she had the brilliant idea to use cocaine on the guy's injury. Right. Try to numb it, and she couldn't yeah. find it. And the irony of like in Colombia with Guns and Roses, how do you not find it? She wasn't looking in the right places. <laughs> and and it's a funny I story. Do is go to go to uh, one of the band members' rooms. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. You know, you had to check under the rug or you know behind That's the right. yeah. the shower curtain or something. Yeah. Um, but it was messaged to me, and it's happened enough times where I can kind of believe these third parties that tell me this, the information that uh, people were upset that I guess there was, she was brought up in not just my podcast, I guess a lot of my interviews and a lot of what you say, which is why I appreciate you coming on, gets picked up by the media, gets picked up by, and it's not always verbatim. I mean, maybe in the article, but it, the clickbait headlines. It's, right. Right. Yeah, well, people so, can take things contextually out of context, right, to make it fit whatever they're trying to to uh, persuade others to believe. Right. So that's why, you know, every time when I have had you have you on, I know you're going to always be honest. You're always going to be nice. Like, I'm never really afraid to speak with you as far as things that may be said out of turn or, you know, what the Internet does with it. It is what it is. You know, that, that you can't control. Yep. Uh, but you know, I, I just wanted to bring that up because I, I still want to get whatever stories I can from you because you were there. I wasn't, you know, because uh, I, I asked you and I, I've been doing a lot of, it was recent, I think it was last year I asked you this and I know you've, it's, sometimes it's hard to connect with uh, yeah. well, the right time. <laughs> I, well, also with COVID and everything, but it was, the aniv- it was the anniversary. I think it falls on the same day, the spaghetti incident, live era, and Chinese democracy. I think they all came out November 3rd. Is that right? I want to say that. I, 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 I know that from memory. Yeah. Right. I, get, I mean, you don't want to look it up. I trust your judgment, but I mean. I get a lot of stuff wrong. You know, for the people who, who listen, that actually, you know, November 23rd, 1993 is when Spaghetti came out. So I think I'm right about the others. Wow. Because <laughs> uh, I will admit, I get a lot. People think, like, I know everything. I, I don't. I've, I've said that since episode one. So I get a lot. I wish, to, I wish this was a live call-in show at times for people to correct me. So anyway, that got me thinking. I'm like, dog is great. I think I just got off the heels of you. Yeah, this now it's all coming back to me. You called me last October when I was in Austin, Texas, for Austin City Limits to see GNR. Yeah. And we were on the phone for a while, and that kind of sparked the idea of just, like, let's just do it on the show. And you've had you know, maybe podcast ideas that maybe down the road we'll see. Uh, but then I'm like, you know what, let's, let's talk to Doug about specific albums instead of just, you know, let's just talk about Guns N' Roses and craziness. Let's, let's focus in on one period. Right. So I asked you the, the other day, 
or a few weeks ago, whatever. Uh, what album would you want to focus on that you you were working on that you worked on with, with Guns N' Roses? And really, without hesitation, you said the Spaghetti Incident. So I'm just curious, why why was that the first one? Because off the air just now, we were talking about Live Era. But yeah, right, yeah. why right away it was the Spaghetti know, Incident? There's no fanfare. It was released. with zero push from the label. Um, I, I know why. I mean, you know, if you look at the release date, uh, right on the heels of, uh, of another Geffen artist <laughs> out of Seattle, Nevada, right? Oh. And so... All the, I mean, what happened at Gap, and I don't expect any of the listeners to know this, but this hopefully is educational. Um, they got rid of all the rock guys and put all their cards in the alternative end. And so we were, quote unquote, dinosaurs, even when in 93, we were still one of the biggest bands in the world. Uh, we were kind of put out to pasture by the label, um, oddly enough. Even off such a successful tour, I mean, people wanting new guns are like yeah. again. You, that's what makes GNR. We, we've talked about this ad nauseum that GNR GNR was never like Poison or Rat, yeah. and I love those bands, but they were different. They weren't part of that era where you're like, oh, I listen to Guns N' Roses, and I, and maybe some very the most casual fan might associate them with the Sunset Strip like that. But I yeah. think I think a Motley Crue, I think a Warrant. So to me, they were like a, they were like an, an alternate, alternate to the alternate alternative, if that makes yeah, any sense. I yeah, I agree. So what gave you that sense then? Like you just, they weren't paying attention to you. They were giving all, all the, the focus to. Changed. I mean, all the personnel changed. So now, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, instead of having the head promotion be a rock guy, um, it was not. And that's just a fair way to put it. Um, and, and, and you can tell when, I mean, when you walk in the building and, you know, they look at you like yesterday's news, um, it's pretty apparent that there was a huge shift in what they saw, where music was going to go. Um, and we weren't a part of that. Other- how, how did that, in, in that moment, because you, you obviously, you feel like you're still the biggest band in the world. Did you feel kind of like, what, what the fuck? Or we were like, you know what? So, you know what? Like, or fuck you. Like, which one did you feel? <laughs> I, felt like, I felt like Tim Collins must have felt when, uh, and whoever was managing Whitesnake at the time when Guns N' Roses hit. Because those guys got pushed out, same label, Geffen. So you like, uh, felt like the writing was on the wall or something? Very much so, yeah. And, uh, you know, to see Aerosmith kind of get pushed to the wayside because Guns N' Roses without selling them, I thought was horseshit because Aerosmith's been doing it forever. And I, and, and they were great to us on the road. I mean, phenomenal to us. So. Well, that's, that's cause that was when uh, Aerosmith was sober, right? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. And yeah. you were dealing with kind of dealing with that, which is. We weren't allowed, sure. to, we're allowed to meet him. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't allowed to meet him. Stay in your dressing room. Don't come out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's that's amazing. Um, I, I guess one of the the questions that because I want to read a lot of fan uh, questions who who really enjoy your, your interviews and when you speak. Uh, this I know there are rumors about the the name of the album, but I believe it has been confirmed by Slash and Duff at times. Does it have to do the spaghetti incident with the uh, Stephen Adler lawsuit? Is that what it's named after? Like a story within that? You know, I don't know. 
I really don't know the derivation of it, quite honestly. I mean, I'd be lying if I just speculated and tried to throw something against, throw some spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. So, so then, because what I, which, I, which is great, I want to give maybe the, the credit to the fan if I could find it on, yeah. on, on Twitter. I read it earlier. Oh, this is from uh, Red Black uh, 1206. And this was, I guess, when they were uh, asking Duff in, in court, I guess, with the lawsuit with Stephen, with the rights and the name, name and all that stuff, the, the lawyer for Stephen asked Duff if they would fight as roommates. And he's like, oh, never seriously, kind of like brotherly fights. Like if I had spaghetti in the refrigerator and then somebody would eat half of it, you know, it's kind of like, like that. And then what, I guess when he was asked, like on the stand, the lawyer called, referred to it as the spaghetti incident. Like it was a real thing. <laughs> That's interesting. Really? Okay. Um, I, again, I I heard a lot of different rumors, but this is near. This is going to be educational for me. This whole thing, then. Interesting. Random. Interesting. So then, I guess, how did the the creation of this album start? You're coming off that tour. How did your involvement? Yeah, we were talking about what to do next, and we need we knew that there needed to be some kind of a stopgap. Um, we toured for two and a half years. And we didn't know when the next album was going to come out. And so uh, we thought we would do something fun for the fans. Um, and it never, like I said, it never was really taken the way that we intended. Um, the whole thing was just to pay homage to uh, some bands that otherwise wouldn't make the same amount of money um, had they not, uh, uh, had we not put it out and then that, that's why I really wish that the label would have supported a little greater because Guns N' Roses had boatloads of money it was really about trying to get some of these bands that have written these songs uh, more uh, exposure and money at the same time because back then music wasn't free right people had to pay for albums wow okay so which is great because I believe it says in the album to make sure you check out the originals yeah and I, I know I speak for many Guns N' Roses fans, there are bands, even though I, punk rock is something that I, I've, I've loved uh, since I started getting into rock as a kid, but there are still bands that I, I, I found out about or, or you know, maybe heard a song that I, I hadn't heard before, a different take. So, I mean, but I will say, as somebody who, in 1993 when this came out, I was, sorry, Doug, I was 10 years old. So I didn't come up with Me it. Too, I, <laughs> as a, as maybe like that GNR fan of that time would have seen like, Oh, a covers record. But when I started buying albums in my early teens, I always dismissed it because I would always hear from Guns N' Roses fans. Ah, it's just a covers record. Right. Yeah, sure. But, the, but then I listened to it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, and then when people talk about, it's just a cover record. Uh, I don't know. They did pretty good with uh, live and let die. Knock on heaven's door. Stop me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, they did pretty good, pretty good covers of those. <laughs> so this was as I, so again, I want to, I get, I guess we get lost in talking to you, Doug, like just like a friend. I want to make sure I get these, uh, these, these band questions. So this is, and you kind of answered a little bit of it. Uh, this is for Paul Elliott. And I'm going to go to Twitter uh, for this. I want people to follow uh, at the AFD show on Twitter uh, from Paul Elliott. So at that point, did they expect the band to work on new material or was it a blatant stopgap? Uh, so he wants to know if this was just kind of like a pause, let's just put something out, or was there an ex expectation? The label would have loved for us to start 
you know, uh, to put out in the material. But I mean, we all knew that let there be some time between projects. I mean, um, it was a different time. It wasn't the Beatles putting album, you know, how many albums did they put out in seven years? Um, you needed at the time that we had come off the road to have some time off, um, particularly just to write. I mean, the guys weren't writing much on the road. And so there was a stopgap to, to let them, the band, breathe um, from being on the road for two and a half damn years um, and put it out and hopefully have some legs to it, some longevity, so that we could actually take some more time uh, putting the record out. Mm, yeah. Which, which makes sense. It's like, okay, let's, let's do something now, which will, I don't even want to call it buying time, but just to let us focus more and not rush anything. For fuck's sake. But, so, but there was an expectation of obviously of new material. There was. Uh, yeah, much okay. So. Uh, this is, this is from uh, slash in roses 16 on uh, Twitter. And she's actually 13, which is cool. Uh, which is guns and roses fans of all ages. Uh, so how did the band choose their songs from the album? And what, uh, and she has like a follow-up, which is, uh, which is funny, but she's like, how did they, I guess, go about uh, choosing? Was there any sort of vote? Like how did that? That's a, it, it's funny you say, it. I mean, not much of a vote other than, Hey, bring in what you like and we'll kind of compare notes. And it was kind of funny recently as I saw Slash was talking about, you know, hair of the dog was his idea. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I wasn't. I had two songs, and I'm not proud of them because one of them really didn't go over very well <laughs> since I since I don't have you. Uh, okay. That was my idea because it was it's an old '50s standard that I really liked, and I I had privately talked to Axel about that and Hair of the Dog, um, and obviously Hair of the Dog doesn't fit as far as a punk covers record either. But you know they were they were two songs that I I personally liked. Um, and when I discussed them with him, he opted to go with those. Wow. Okay. That's it. And, and Not my I want to, by the way, I do have a favorite on the album. I want, okay. I want to ask the follow up two things there, but I want to finish with, uh, with Slash and, uh, Slash and, yeah. does she have a real name in uh, here? Uh, no, I, at least I just want to give her a shout out 13 from, uh, from Canada. Uh, you know, I'll, maybe we shall save this. She wants to know what did they do during their spare time during recording? You know, but uh, we can. It's I don't want to lose my train of thought here. Uh, so, I guess, hey, what's your your favorite? What is your favorite song on the yeah, album? No question. <laughs> no question. I love that song. That is great. You it's know what? Great. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, dust vocals, um, Slash's guitar, and even Slash his background vocals, where he's singing attitude. <laughs> <laughs> that real colorful thing going on. It's very cool, man. I mean. Uh, all of the components in it are just fun, upbeat, uplifting, and I love Duff's punk voice. Um, you know, not to knock Axel, but down on the farm, he's trying to sing it in an English accent, and it just I know him too well, and it just doesn't go over for me. Mm. Okay. Uh, and I will agree with you on, on Attitude. I think that was the song that really clicked for me at first. <laughs> right. I remember when I first listened to it. Yeah. Uh, when I bought it on CD, which I don't know. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, it's interesting that you say that you were the one that suggested since I don't have you. And I personally, I guess growing up, um, you know, in, my, my dad got me into classic rock when I was ever in the car with him. Uh -huh. My mom, uh, for those who have either traveled in New York or from New York, uh, 
CBS FM used to be an oldies station, and I, I still listen to doo-wop. I still love, you know, 50s, you know, 50s, uh, 60s. I, I really do like it, especially, I love it when it comes up my generic, my overall playlist, yeah. when I'll have it, like a Dion and the Belmonts yeah. go I mean, into a GNR song or something like that. This is something you and I never spoke about, but you know I worked with Dave Lee Roth as a bodyguard. And That's right, right. The interesting thing about Dave is every single show, Every show for an hour, he listens to James Brown before he hits the stage. That's so great. Get in the right frame of mind, right? <laughs> How, well, <laughs> so, up, now I'm imagining uh, someone's got to recreate that somehow. David yeah. Lee just rocking yeah. out the James Brown. I mean, nobody knows that about Dave. You know, Diamond Dave, you know, James Brown. I mean, it's pretty awesome. I could see it. You know, he, that's that was that style is a big influence on on Diamond Dave's showmanship. So I totally have to see that. Uh, but. I love that style, but obviously it's so it's not a punk song. It's the one song that stands out. It's the first track on the album. It was the one that has the video with Gary Oldman as the devil, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, I guess there's a lot to unpack just there. Uh, how did the rest of the band, I guess, take that? Uh, I mean, because that's, again, I'm a fan of that. You're a fan of that. Are they yeah. a fan of that? If they were, if, if, if there was any pushback, I didn't hear about it, but I didn't okay. hear about much of what would go on albums. I mean, that really wasn't part of my role. Uh, my role was you hand it to me, I'll market it. So they didn't involve me in the studio that much. It was fine with me. I mean, you know, they were such a competent band that they didn't need help in the studio. I mean, then how did the suggestion thing, I guess, come up? I'm sorry. Then how did the suggestion for the two songs from you come up? I mean, Axel and I, we used to talk, you know, hours and hours and hours every day and night. And so oh. it just came up in conversation. And oh, okay. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, and those are, I mean, fans are, and I'm thanking you, those are great tracks. I mean, I know Nazareth may not be punk, but okay. I'm like, who gives a shit? This is just, it's, 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 it's a great song. Obviously the original is, but GNR does a great version of it. And, uh, then, then let me ask before I forget it. The were you on set for like how were you involved in the the video for? Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't on set for the Gary Oldman one. Uh, I don't remember why it wasn't. Um, just wasn't. Do you know how uh, Gary Oldman got involved with the video? I, I don't. Um, okay. Axel was a big fan. Um, and I mean, look, even Slash says when it came to the videos, I just let Axel do it. Right? I mean. And that's what everybody would tell you. I mean, when it came to the videos, that was Axel's deal. Okay. Okay. Um, did, you, did you ever, like, have an opinion on it? Like, what's your favorite video, I guess? Uh, let me ask that, and that's more the safer question. Wow. Me, that's a safer question. Yeah. Boy, that's a tough one. I don't know. Um, we can come back to it if you want. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, arguably, Paradise City is a great video. Um particularly when you take into consideration how much we didn't spend on it. <laughs> um, right. But uh, I just love the live components of it, you know, and having been at both places, uh, you know, Giant Stadium and then Donington. And just, it, it meant a lot. Um, obviously, there was the death at Donington. And so um, that kind of memorializes that for me as well. Mm. I, saw, yeah. I saw a real vulnerable side of Axel that nobody else sees. He was really hurt. We talked about that, but uh, really, really upset. 
Yeah, that, that's, uh, that is documented just like cause I, I can't even imagine. And, you, and there's so many recordings of, of Axel, especially famously in Live Era, which you worked on as well, yeah. about back up, you know. Yeah. And obviously, we're in a different world now, but we can't do any of that. But uh, uh, let's, let's just get back to this. Live Era can maybe be another episode with you. Let's, yeah. let's see. Um, let's go back to the questions. This is from uh, Carlos A. Velasquez on uh, Twitter. Uh, what songs were recorded and remain unreleased? Do you know, like, with or without Axel's, Axel's vocals, were there any other tracks that maybe made the cutting room floor? Or Spaghetti Incident? Yeah. Uh, none that I'm aware of. But again, I don't, I never got much involved in what happened to the studio. So, But if, you wouldn't, Axel wouldn't tell you we're working on, because this, yeah. uh, Gilby apparently mentioned Down on the Street, by the Stooges, and there was talks of a Hanoi Rocks. There was a Hanoi Rocks cover. Yeah, I, I just read that somewhere. Okay. Uh, that Monroe wanted a, uh, he was kind of pushing <laughs> Hanoi Rocks on. Um, but I, yeah, again, let me know when you've recorded it, I'll market it. Um, and so I, I, I wasn't privy to some of that stuff that was transpiring. And a lot of that was done on the road. And to be honest with you, I, my, my job was about 24 hours straight um with you know i sleep every third or fourth day um so i was it was a little time consumptive being the personal manager on the road so um you know i, I didn't get caught up in stuff that i wasn't asked to be caught up in because i was busy enough yeah fair enough again because um you say you talk you would speak to axel at the time and you casually mentioned two songs that would be on come to be on the record so you just never Obviously, where you knew where your your pocket is, and not get to get involved in other places where you you know you need to be things. Just yeah. Well, he asked, he asked me what my opinion was. You know, what do you? Is there any songs you like that you think we should cover? That's how that came up. Then, was there a conversation about Charles Manson? Did that was that covered uh, between no, you two? Uh, that, that was kind of like uh, one in a million. I, I found out after the fact, and so you kind of deal with the repercussions after it's done. Um. You know, okay. you get a call, <laughs> you do realize that there is a song. <laughs> it's like, oh, my, what? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, like I said, it was pretty tantamount to what happened with One in a Million. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's not as, I mean, I guess it's not as controversial because. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, I guess it depends. I don't know if we want to discuss and go dive deep yeah, into it. Like, Versus, uh, yeah, homophobia. Yeah, I, I don't uh, think <laughs> really a good there. that's not our conversation to have. Which one is worse? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, and it's it's cool. A few episodes ago, I interviewed uh, Damon Harriman, the uh, the Australian actor who yeah. played Manson in both Once Upon a Time in Mexico and Mindhunter oh, okay. uh, on Netflix, and. People say it's like, yeah, obviously Manson was, I mean, what can you say about him? He was, it was a, a, a nut job to say the least to just smooth it over. But some of his music was, he's like, some of his music wasn't, was okay, but you can see why he never really made it. Uh, did Axel show any sort of, and I'm not even doing this as a judgment because I am somebody that I'm obsessed with horror movies, uh, like really bad ones. <laughs> We're not just talking know goosebumps like i've seen the human centipede trilogy like i've i uh, slash and i were both messed up at least that's how i get away with it slash is also 
And Dell James loves messed up horror. Uh, Dell James has always been into the morose, if you will. So yeah, well, along with that, so there's no judgment. Was Axel like? Was he was he into serial killers? Because I think back. Well, you know what? I mean, here's here's where the whole Manson thing came from, in my opinion. It's everybody thinks I'm a freak and I'm a weirdo, just like they think Manson is a freak and a weirdo. So I'll wear a Manson shirt. I'll do a Manson song because everybody thinks I'm a kook anyway. Mm. In my opinion, I don't think he ever uh, was out to uh, glamorize what Charles Manson had done in any, in any way or shape or form. I never even took it that way either. It's just, I, I always thought about, it's like how I, you know, I'll wear a, you know, I, I like Jason Voorhees or, or, I mean, I know those are fictional, but yeah. I'm just trying to think. It's just like a, maybe it was a thing. I I didn't collect them, but the serial killer trading cards were a thing. You know, people are into it. People watch what they call murder porn. You watch all these documentaries about people that kill and they love it. They get obsessed with it. So maybe you like. If you want to go there, my second wife is the only eyewitness ever to one of our country's biggest serial killers. They call him the dating game killer, Rodney James Alcala. Through DNA, they've linked him to 130 murders, rape and murders, and then hacked them up. Um, one was her friend, and she's the only eyewitness ever. And she's, he's finally put away for good. 2010, we put him away. Uh, but, I mean, Jeez. first time he was incarcerated, she was 12. And, and although I like him young, but not that young. <laughs> <laughs> so That's why I, I never take things you know, like one in a million or covering Charles Manson too seriously because there's true evil out there yeah. and singing a song when you're trying to either just like have some sort of an ironic statement or something about it. I just don't ever really get offended by it, you know, because uh, this was, I didn't notice this. I, I, this was the, from the, the guy who sent me a couple passages from quotes from Slash and Duff about the meaning behind the Spaghetti incident, uh, Red Black 1206 on Twitter. Uh-huh. Because he's like, what's the story behind? I never noticed this. J-Y-E slash Z-X-S inscription on the cover of the album. Did Axel have a fascination with the Zodiac Killer? I've never heard of that. Neither did I. I, uh, I, don't know. Well, we'll, we'll, well, I don't know. We'll do a, we'll get some sleuths on, the, on that. I, I, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I never heard that. I work killer, but I don't know about Now, I know you didn't spend time in the album, but I don't know what you may know about this situation, but uh, obviously Gilby Clark famously re-recorded uh, Izzy's parts. Yes. And as I look at it like this, and it's kind of like it was the approach with Chinese democracy, I like that you're incorporating the band that you have now, and they're not just a touring musician. Yeah. I like that they're involved in the recording, even though if it's a re-recording or whatever. Uh, so when Gilby re-recorded Izzy's guitar parts, do you, how did that go over with the, the rest of the band? Was there a sense that you use it? You feel any sort of friction start to begin there, or no, not really? Because everybody really liked Gilby, um, particularly Slash and Duff. I mean, they loved Gilby, um, and so no, I don't think there was any pushback at all. Um, it was kind of like I mean, I think everybody felt like, uh, and I, you know, nobody's ever said this to me, but. Uh, the sense that I got was that everybody was kind of, uh, their feelings were hurt that Izzy just 
bailed. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of without warning, really. He just bailed. Um, I mean, I guess you could see the writing on the wall if you really look close enough. But, um, you know, because he was traveling on his own, and, and, and we all thought that that was just to maintain a sobriety. Um, but okay. uh, it didn't surprise me when the directive came that uh, he wasn't going to be on the record and Billy Sparks were going to be there. I don't think, I don't think anybody was uh, alarmed or, or uh, upset about that call at all. Okay. No, that, that, that's cool. And I mean, it's, Gilby seems to be friends with all of them. So that relationship has obviously uh, continued. And I'll just say this because you, you made a, a reference to it earlier. And I was actually going to avoid this question, but it makes me laugh now. Or it wasn't even a question. I guess it's a question. Uh, this is from uh, Chris as I talk to myself. Uh, Chris. I like the person you're dealing with, Brandon. <laughs> this is uh, Chris German. On, uh, which is spelled very awkwardly on, on Twitter. Uh, who the fuck thought Axel's a comedy Cockney accent on Down on the Farm was a good idea? Not me. Not me. That was good. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, he's having fun with it. Uh, I don't think it's too. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think you just had fun with it. But I, I told you at the beginning, I mean, it's not my favorite song primarily because of that. Okay. But I'll tell you, I mean, that being said, and because I, I kind of had to stop myself when I made that comment because, you know, we did that song at Farm Aid, and, and, and that's a great memory for me. Um, you know, that was a lot of fun. Uh, writing back on the plane and sitting next to Stephen Stills, and all, all I wanted to talk about was Crosby, Stills, Nash, and all he wanted to talk about was golf. And I was like, I don't want to talk about golf. Please, tell me about the harmonies. <laughs> It's probably like, well, I mean, you seem to be very receptive to it, obviously, but people like, hey, tell me about Guns N' Roses. Yeah. You know, so I, I think at some point you will, I don't know if you're going to collect these interviews to remember, but you, your, your book will have to come out at, at some point. I'm not, I, I won't extract uh, all, all your stories. Uh, what else do we got here? I do want to give a, just a shout out to uh, a good listener, Nick Wilson, who says, it drives me crazy when people talk shit about this album. I love it. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is from Leonardo. A DS says, why didn't they record the covers from their club days? Like Jumpin' Jack Flash or our Heartbreak Hotel? Because it was... I mean, it was a punk cover album. Those wouldn't be punk, right? But, right. Yeah. But, but then we get, we get the, the songs that you added. So <laughs> yeah. you, you never know. Um, as far as, cause I think Slash has spoken about how he wanted to tour on that album, right? Like, is, can you talk about like touring plans that just, I guess that did not happen, obviously? No, there was no way I was going to get everybody back together in that short time space to, to go back out. Axel, I mean, he, he wasn't in any condition to be touring on Use Your Illusion, let alone going back out for a spaghetti incident tour. What do you like? What do you mean that he wasn't in uh, condition? Uh, um, it wasn't in headspace to be doing any of that. Um, you know, that was a that whole tour was really hard on him. Um, with what happened with Stephanie, um, what even Stephanie as much as it was Dylan. I mean, I think it would love to, um, you know, to be Dylan's dad, um, and that was very traumatic for him. Um, mm. It's. Uh, I just don't think that he was in any uh, mental condition to be 
trying to get up and prepared for a show on a regular basis. Okay. All right. Uh, fair enough. Uh, let me see. I want to actually go to Facebook now. So facebook.com slash the AFD show. Uh, this is from Matt's. I believe he's from Poland. Yeah, he is from Poland. Nice. Uh, when Axel wanted something, sometimes you and how GNR fans are, they, I don't even know what sometimes what they say is, is completely accurate. Uh, when Axel wanted something erased, was it actually erased or there were secret backups of everything? Like the Izzy version of the album. Like, is that out there? You know, would that be quote unquote out there? Uh, I or- think that if, uh, if one searched hard enough, they'd be able to find, I don't think they were erased. I mean, I think that those are just tracks that were done over. Um, and I, I would venture to guess, although I don't say with any certainty that those tracks exist with Izzy sports. Um, I don't think you just erase them. I think you just overdub and, and put new tracks on. Okay. Uh, I, uh, let's just tell our, uh, our mutual buddy uh, Rick Dunsford to calm down and not look for them and get right. himself into any more trouble. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Band. <laughs> this Mr. Band. Uh, this is from uh, JJ. And we were talking about the album. He's from Indiana. Uh, as far as how the label looked at it, was the album successful in their eyes, despite like really not pushing it? Was it financially successful? Successful? Did it, like, how did they view it when it came out, when it was finally said and done? And, well, uh, as I mentioned, it was pretty much buried by the label. It's hard, to, have, it's hard mm-hmm. to be successful when you've got nobody pushing any songs radio. None, right? So, I, mean, I don't even know why we made a video. <laughs> nobody chased it at MTV. And, I mean, you know, I mean, but again, it was, you know, right on the same uh, delivery schedule as uh, Smells Like Teen Spirits. <laughs> Which one did better? Uh, yeah, well, that's that's hard. I mean, that's being up there for me in my my generation, I guess, because I, I mentioned I was ten in 1993. So that's when Nirvana was new. Mm-hmm. Never mind is like my era's appetite. You sure. know, it's just it changed everything. I, that's you know, I'm glad that I was kind of I don't know. I wasn't born a little later that I missed GNR, but still, it's. I mean, yeah, how do you how do you go against that? Uh, I do want to make sure I do say this also. Uh, a buddy that worked on the, who, a former guest of the show who's worked on the album, uh, Richard Duguay. He says, yeah. says hi to Doug for me. Say hi to Doug for me. Hey, Richard, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, Richard, uh, who, who played lead in rhythm on uh, You Can't Put Your Arms Around a Memory. And yeah, he, he's, he's putting out new music. So check out Richard. You know, there are artists putting out new music now. It does, that, that is a thing. Uh, what else? And I'm not going to keep you for for too much longer because I do want to mention. I do want to mention a band that I just signed. Really. I was that was I was going to get to that. Don't worry, I haven't forgotten uh, the, the French bands. That sounds like Sabbath, right? Yeah, a lot know. like Sabbath. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so let me just ask this one last question. Uh, you know what? This this guy's a good dude. This is a Dirk from Germany. Uh, he says the same question as last time. Maybe I didn't get to it. Hey, Doug, tell us a funny story about Zach Wild. Oh, yeah. Uh, wow, I don't know if there's any funny stories about Zach. Um, <laughs> Zach's a pretty serious guy, um, and he's a big dude. Man. Well, okay, I'll tell one funny story. So 
uh, I didn't get along. I mean, I managed it, right? And I didn't get along with his wife very well. And so she told me to go in and yell at the record company president, who was about 70. Um, and I didn't have that kind of relationship. He used to call me kid, and I called him pops, right? I mean, you don't yell at your dad, right? So no. um, get in there and yell at him. And because Pride and Glory came out when Teen Spirit came out, and one's a Southern rock record and the other's not. Um, so it was, a t- it was a tough get. So she's asking me to go yell at him. So fast forward years later, and I'm sitting inside of uh, uh, Den in Anaheim. They do this, uh, Brian Tishy does this, um, right, the tribute that he does every year. Anyway, so he's doing that, and I'm sitting in a dressing room, and this massive, I think, stagehand walks in, and the light's behind him, so I can't really see him. And he's got his arms folded, and he's not saying a word, but he looks pissed, right? And I don't know, I don't know what he wants or who he is. I didn't realize until a year later that it was Zach. <laughs> he was waiting for me to say something like, hey, bud. <laughs> I didn't. I think he would have pounded me. He's a big fellow, man. He is. Uh, I've. I mean, I. I. I, I, I guess I, I. open up the curtain sometimes on this show. Like I know his manager. Like I used to. Uh, I guess uh, I think I told you I moved from Long Island to Queens last year from Huntington. His manager is from Huntington. Oh, yeah. uh, we and I, it just hasn't happened yet. Getting him on the show. I think uh, I just. I don't know. I got to get getting bigger a- and bigger. He's, um, there was a song uh, on the Pride and Glory record called Sweet Jesus was a ballad. And he wrote it on the piano. And so for Christmas, he gave me a framed, well, the framed uh, version of that song that he had written out, um, the notation. For well, that's it. nice. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah, bitch. I still have it. Um, one of the few things that I actually still have that wasn't sold yeah. by a heroin addict who was supposed to be <laughs> keeping his eye on my stuff for me. This is why I I don't envy, you know, you or other, like, I guess, whatever you want to call it, rock stars in the rock world to write a biography, autobiography rather, because it's like how many, every time I ask you something, it leads to like eight other stories. And I I can't, (laughs) it's just insane. Uh, So I got to put a stop to it at some point in this episode, because otherwise we're going to keep going and going. Uh, so yeah, tell me about, cause I know you're in Florida now, yeah. uh, but, but tell me about this French band that yeah, you're, uh, you're dealing with. Last Temptation. Um, and the guitar player's phenomenal. The singer is, phenomenal. I mean, the whole band's great, right? But it reminds me a lot of Sabbath and they've been, um, they played Hellfest, um, last year. Uh, there's the Hellfest is actually on YouTube. So if anybody wants to check it out, they can check it out. If, if you like classic rock and roll, you got to check out Last Temptation. They're a phenomenal band. So myself and a, uh, a lifelong friend of mine named Jeff Nesvig, we're working on it together. Um, cause I have my day job, right? Um, so, uh, but they're really good guys and, um, looking forward to having some success with it. That's great. Cause you really haven't been, you know, working with bands a lot. No, uh, You've spoken about your son's band who refuses yep. your help, yep. Honey, and yeah. they're doing well. Yeah, well, so they were doing well, and then the COVID thing hit, and obviously nobody can tour. But that's the nice thing about Blast Temptation is they're op- opening up Europe to shows again. So we're going to put them on the road. Um, mind you, in a you know safe setting, but um, 
but yeah, they're way ahead of the game uh, over there. I mean, they, you know, they report four cases. <laughs> we, we're, we're a mess. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're a mess. Why aren't you wearing a mask? Why am I not wearing a mask? Oh, well, we're far. Podcast. <laughs> I, I have a Guns N' Roses mask that my girlfriend yeah, really? has watched. Yeah, That's yeah. Right. I, I bought an Amazon. It's not through their, okay. their website. It was just some okay. random random mask to have. You know, I guess I'm like, I'm on a podcast. I should show that I wear masks and guns and roses. Other than that, I have like a bunch of like cat looking masks because I'm a weirdo. Right. But no, I, I wear masks, but uh, yeah, obviously we're all missing concerts and doing stuff. So I'm, I'm curious, was this something that you were looking forward, uh, looking for to do to manage a band or this, this, this band came really out? One of those things that I heard and I was just so impressed that I scoured the globe. I didn't even know that they were from France. Um, I just kind of kept looking around, looking around, looking around. And before I knew it, I, I had gotten a hold of the guitar player and him and I started conversing and I like his attitude and I like his demeanor and I love his playing. And so, um, you know, then I talked to Butcho, the singer, and he's a great guy as well. I haven't talked to the other guys yet, but, um, uh, they certainly are an integral part in, uh, in a band. And I mean, they, you know, they're a band, so a real band in every sense of the word. So. Oh, great and keep me posted with everything that they Absolutely. have yeah, you yeah. know going on because we'll, we'll bring we'll bring peter the guitar player on you'll like yeah <laughs> sure uh what i i do and we can do it for this uh like a segment of the show that i do because there is a lot of i mean obviously i love guns and roses but there's got to be good new music out there we find our our six degrees of gnr bacon yeah, obviously right. if a, if you're if you're managed by a former gnr manager you have it right there but for a, an appetite for discovery segment oh, that's cool i like it okay yeah, that was that was suggested by forgive me i think it was maybe andrew from the uk that suggested that i don't want to take credit for a good idea that i did not you know i made a really <laughs> shitty soundbite for it but i don't have that at my disposal right now <laughs> uh so doug this has been fun i i hope we you know, we're gonna do this again uh whenever time allows because i I want to talk about live era. I mean, you were a part of the Chinese democracy era as well. Yeah. A part of it, right? So there's a lot to discuss. And, you know, obviously just as a person, you're fun to talk to. Thanks, bud. You too. I also want to get feedback and I'll send it to you um, once we're done here. I send it already to Alan Nibbin and I'm going to follow up on, on if you've been listening to the show a few episodes ago, I interviewed uh, this guy from, from Ireland who made a very well done uh, fan documentary about Izzy called a dust and bones. And it really, I, I watched it when it premiered on YouTube, but copyright things. I mean, he's making a documentary from things that he found online and he right. used some of my, I mean, it is what it is, but he's not trying to make money off it. It was just like right. a fan project to put out there. Right. Uh, but he's been in contact with who he needs to be in contact with to get the copyright to his material. Uh, it's not on YouTube, but it is live now on the internet. So I will say, I sounded like so old saying that. It's it's live on the internet. Oh, on the internet. Uh, just go to uh, Iwis Life on, on Twitter. A-Y-E-W-I-S, which I forget what that means. In, in, I forget what that means. I think that means to life or something like that. Iwis Life. <laughs> Iwis Life on YouTube or just inbox me and I'll send you the the, the really good Izzy doc. So I'm going to send it to you. Yeah. I appreciate uh, Doug, it. Yeah. Because there's not He's, a lot. I, look, I love that guy. Izzy's like, uh, you know, it's interesting. Him and I were never very close, but I love the guy. I just love his 
everything about him. It's like, you know, uh, Chris and Rich Robinson, they were calling me before they were signed uh, to Rick Rubin. And uh, first I thought, oh, they must love Slash. Uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> they loved Izzy. They loved everything about Izzy. Because yeah. he was just, the, they called him the king of cool. Right? <laughs> it was just very cool, man. He was kind of, you know, and the funny thing about Izzy, too, is he'll flat out tell you to go F yourself if he, if he thinks you need it. <laughs> Never had a problem doing that either. It just seems like, you know, why he and Axel, I don't want to say were friends, are friends or whatever, uh, there seems to be that I don't, I don't you're going to get what you get. You're getting your shooter straight from the hip. Uh, so, but do you have, I mean, maybe I shouldn't ask this question and piss off uh, the current camp. Do you have a, like a prediction as to what, when it's all said and done, assuming we go back to quote unquote normal life, that we would ever see the five on stage again, or at least is he involved? Maybe not Steven. Do you have any? I, you know, I don't think so. I mean, they did, you know, two and a half years without him. Why, why bring him back? I get, uh, well, made me think about it. Cause you just mentioned the Robinson brothers that you thought that would never happen, but they got right. back together. Yeah, so. true. Yeah. Yeah, but then again, I never thought that Slash and Axel would stand on a stage together. Yeah, uh, but it's a little different with Izzy. Um, I I believe that you know we've all heard that you know they wanted to pay him less than a proportionate share, and and I think for Izzy it's just a it's a a personal thing. Um, he started the band with Axel, and so why you know would you cut me short? Uh, financially and from their perspective we just did two and a half hour i mean two and a half years without you why would we put you back in <laughs> i mean yeah so I, just, and, I just think it's purely financial i don't think it has anything to do with anything else all right i mean because i've heard the also the argument I, mean, I get that you know he didn't start the band but axel's been keeping it alive all these years and, and okay. keeping them even uh, when they're uh, that was one of the arguments that axel and i had when uh, when slash left um, I didn't think that he should call it Guns N' Roses anymore. And he disagreed with me. Um, I thought that he should have called it, you know, the, I don't know, I'm just being facetious, but Axl Rose Project, something with his name, right? Do you remember? Like, are you just like, what? Okay. I, don't, I don't even know if I came up with something. I just said, I don't know that you should taint the, what you had in the original name by using it again. I mean, um, yeah. and, and you've heard my argument as to why I think Chinese democracy took as long as it did, because he was the only guy standing there as Guns N' Roses. So it's tough to let go of that. It is. Uh, I get it from a lot of different perspectives. So I'm, I'm not going to judge because there are people like, oh, I wish Chinese democracy was called something else, but it's, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, if that's, that's like his life and who's to say that a band can't involve and change forms. Like you're, I guess, I don't know. Like you're dealing with a logo as I point to my hat yeah. and you're like, like it's kind of like a, a Jersey or a logo of a team. No, is Babe Ruth no longer on the Yankees. Uh, Derek Jeter is no longer on the Yankees. I know it's not a perfect analogy. Yeah, so no, is he reinventing this thing? So, and who's to say that he can't do that? Yeah. Which obviously he, he did. So yeah. obviously there's a lot to discuss, hence doing a podcast about it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait until the next one uh, with you, Doug. And, and also I, I can't wait until the next random phone call that you give me when you asked about, do you, do you have, do you still have a, a 
harsh feeling, not harsh feelings, very passionate feelings about Limbiscuit and uh, Fred Durst. I love Fred. I love him. <laughs> I do. I, look, I mean, I got screwed hardcore out of managing Fred, but Fred was doing something that I don't remember anybody else doing back then. And, and, and I thought that it was fantastic. I mean, I think Borland is an amazing guitarist. Um, and, you know, I would love to sit down with Fred sometime, honestly, and just go, you know what? You are so misled as to what really transpired back when you were first getting signed. Because um, I got screwed. So you, so you were supposed to manage him or Limbiscuit? No, well, the whole band, yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I, I remember when I first that's when I first started in radio in college. You know, that's when Limbiscuit broke, and they were different than than everybody. That's when, you know, looking back on it, it's kind of funny to see how rock was uh, on always on MTV was on Total Request Live with Carson Daly, and that's when we yeah. had you know Corn and and and, uh, and, yeah. and that was I think the last time rock was really in in the mainstream. I saw I don't know if you saw it. I saw something pretty funny. Uh, MTV celebrates their 39th birthday this week. Uh, that's 15 years of music, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was that was. I, I shared that post from another uh, yeah, yeah, another website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember when it was music television, but music is now you know everywhere. Just look at yeah. podcasting. But uh, speaking of of music, uh, future episodes we'll talk about again the other albums and maybe other bands and update us on. You know, the the French Black Sabbath. What's their name again? Forgive me. Temptation. Last Temptation. Last yeah. Temptation. Nice, yeah, nice, nice. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks so much, Doug. We'll, we'll do this again uh, soon. Send any questions. Thank you very much, guys. You got it. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Uh, what's next? Actually, uh, I will say that I, I finally am going to interview Sully Erna on this show in Godsmack. So that's coming up as well. What else is coming? I have no idea. Follow us on social media. Uh, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.